So with that being said, we're gonna do things a little bit different this morning. We've never ever done what we're doing today. We have all of you in here. Usually it's funny. You have like your first service attenders and your second service attenders and nobody really knows who's who. But we wanted to join together as a family today and celebrate what God's doing through our church. So before we go any further, what we're gonna do differently right now is we're gonna actually take up our offering and we're gonna get our connect cards out. So the connect cards is that little pieces of paper you had. Usually we do this at the end. What there is is a little card in there and our ushers are getting prepared right now. And if you're new with us this morning, here's all we ask you to do is that you fill that out and we would love to give you some free Chick-fil-A for being here, for being a part of our service. Just thank you for that. If you call Four Corners your home, what we'd love for you to do is we'd love for you to put your prayer request on there, things we can pray for because our staff every single week reads through every one of these and we pray over them. Or as Pastor Will was talking about in the video, the ways that you want to engage what's going on here at Four Corners, that little green box, we want you to check that. But before we go any further, I want to read this to you because I just think that it's powerful. Today we're going to celebrate baptism. And we got an email um, that I'd like to share some of with you this morning. And it says, Melissa and Pastor Ben, my husband and three boys have been attending Four Corners for about five weeks, and five weeks or so now. And I wanted to let you know how much we are all changing in such a short time. Here's how God has made a difference in our lives since attending Four Corners. My 18-year marriage has been saved since we started attending. My 13-year-old son, who was struggling with depression, has been healed of that spirit completely and wants to become baptized on August 5th here at Four Corners. My seven-year-old twins are now asking about Jesus instead of video games, and they're learning how to pray and share God with their friends. This is all because you care enough to share God's love and truth with us. Thank you all so much the Hunt family. Can we give it up for that? How incredible is that? You see, he, here's the thing this morning is we're celebrating baptism, but everybody in this room has played a part in what God has done in these lives that have been changed. You're a generous church. Every single week when you give, you are given to ministry that is changing people's lives. So that's why we want everybody to celebrate with us outside here in just a little bit, because you played a part we're all one body. We have all volunteered. We have all served. We have all given. You are a part of what God is doing through this church to see people's lives change. So thank you for being generous and celebrating with us today. So what we're going to do is we're going to take up our offering and then we'll continue. So if you will bow and pray with me. God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you for being such a good God. We thank you that you continue to change lives, God. That is nothing that we do. Actually, God, many times you tend to move right beyond our mistakes, right beyond our shortcomings, and you just tend to be God. And so, God, we are so thankful that we have an opportunity to serve you. We have an opportunity to be a part of this church that is light in our community. God, we thank you for the seven lives who have been changed, the seven lives, God, who are, are going to be baptized at the end of our service today. God, we thank you for that. God, we pray over our offering this morning. We just pray that you would anoint it, that every, every cent that's given, God, it's given for your kingdom. It's given for ministry to continue to see more people come to a knowledge of the truth of the power of Jesus Christ. And God, we will thank you. We'll give you praise. We'll give you glory and honor in your name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free, hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in the only Jesus Christ. Living hope, hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. 
give it up for Pastor Will and our worship team. God, every single week they bring it. They're awesome. Thank you guys so much for what you do. And, and, and I just want to take a moment and do something personal if you allow me to do that. I want to take a moment and I want to honor our senior pastor and his family. I love Pastor Ben and Jill, Ellen, the boys. This is an incredible family. And for those of you that don't know me that well, I, I tend, to, tend to watch things very, very closely. Like, I, I, I watch people. I'm, I'm the weird guy who goes to the airport and sits in and goes, this is amazing. Like, look at all these people. Like, ooh, what is going on? Like, I just, I don't know. I find it fascinating to watch people. And over the last nine months, I have watched Pastor Ben incredibly closely, incredibly closely, both as a pastor, as a mentor, and as a friend in my life. And I want to tell you, over that nine months, I've seen a lot of things happen. I've seen Pastor Ben handle things personally in his life. I've seen him handle things in the ministry I've seen him handle things with his family. And every single time I've been amazed how he does it. But the thing that amazes me the most is that through all of the things that he goes through, he still finds time to invest into me. He still cares enough to help me become a better husband, a better father, a better pastor, and a better leader. Because that's the type of man he is. So Pastor Ben, I want to say publicly that thank you for helping me become the man I am. And I think there's a lot of people in here who have been changed by your leadership and your ministry. So can we give it up for Pastor Ben and his family, for what they do? Thank you. Incredible leadership. So thankful that you're leading our church. So what's going to happen is I'm going to read a couple of verses. I'm going to talk. If you've never heard me speak before, I will share some stories. It's okay to laugh in church. Some people say, oh, you can't laugh in church. You can laugh in church when it's appropriate. Don't laugh if I'm doing something dumb. Like, laugh if it's funny, all right? But I want to read a couple of verses to you. We're going to talk a little bit, and then we're going to conclude our service. First, I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. And if you like to look in your Bible, I'm going to be reading Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And then I'm going to jump over to the book of John chapter 19, and I'm going to read 28, 29, and 30. So two places. We're looking at Galatians chapter 4. Verses 4 through 7, and we're going to look at John 19, verses 28 through 30. If you don't have that on your phone, if you don't have a Bible with you, it's going to be on the screen so you can read along with me. So Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you were his child, God has made you also an heir. Wow. John chapter 19, verses 28, 29, and 30. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, and this is Jesus, if you're looking in your Bibles, it says the death of Jesus. This is his last moments on the cross that we're reading right here. Scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the moments that we get to share this morning. God, I just pray that you would be glorified. God, I pray that every single person in this room will walk out of here knowing that there's a God who loves them deeply, that it's not a God who's mad at them, there's not a God who's angry, there's a God who loves you deeply, and God, that people know that there's a church that loves them. God, I pray that you would um, be with me right now, that you would speak through me, and God, that this would be all about you. In Jesus' name I pray, 
Amen. Amen. So um, have you ever been in a situation where, where you feel like you just came up a little short? Like maybe, maybe you just weren't good enough. Like you gave it your best, you gave it your all, but you didn't quite meet the mark. Maybe you're like me and you grew up playing sports and no matter how good you got, there was always just somebody a little bit better. Like have you ever experienced that? Like, you know, as fast as I got, there was always somebody just a little bit faster. As strong as I got, there was somebody just a little bit stronger. And no matter how hard I tried, I just seemed to always fall just a little bit short. There was always a gap between who I was and who I wanted to be. I learned this very, very early in my life. Very, very early, I had something happen that most of you don't know because it can stay concealed very easily. When I was born, believe it or not, my tongue was not actually attached to my mouth the way that it was supposed to. So what they did when I was born is they literally cut my tongue. So I have a really, really, really short tongue. Like, that's it. All right? Like, that's it. Right there. Like, that, that's it. You see, I can hide this. Nobody can ever see this. The only time that people notice that there's something wrong with me is when I'm eating ice cream. Because most of you are normal human beings who have a tongue that you can use to eat your ice cream. I eat it like a hamburger. Like, I... And literally, every time I'm out with people, like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's a long story. I'm not normal. So I grew up with this thing, and because of this, I had this massive speech impediment. I mean, it was horrendous. It was so bad. Like, if my parents were here right now, they would tell you it's literally a miracle that I'm not, not just able, but even willing to get on a stage and talk to people, because I had a lot of problems communicating. I took speech therapy for years to try to get past this. And here's, here's probably my, my mom's favorite example of how terrible this speech impediment was. We, we, we were at this church, and this church was very kind to my family. My dad was a pastor, and they, and they didn't have a lot of money, but they said, we want to give you a parsonage. So they went, and they got us this mobile home, and they put it right there on the, uh, on the church grounds, and it was awesome. I spent six years of my life in this house, and it was amazing. I had so much fun there. But I remember whenever I, when, when I was little, I, I had this speech impediment, and I couldn't actually say the words mobile home. See, I'm 28. I, I've come a long way. It's easy for all of you. You're like, anybody can say that. Not a speech impediment young child. He cannot say that. So how it would come out was instead of saying mobile home, I would tell my parents the Omahoma. I don't know why. I don't know where that came from. But in my young mind, that was the best I could get out. And so on one particular occasion, my parents were asking if I was ready to go. And I kept saying, yes, I'm ready to go. And they said, where are we going? And I kept asking the Omahoma, the Omahoma, the Omahoma. And they had no idea what I was talking about. No idea. And literally, it got so bad that I couldn't get them to understand the words that were coming out of my mouth that I began to just yell and stomp and scream because it was so terrible to me that you don't know what an Omahoma is. What is wrong with you? Like literally, that's how I felt. And to this day, my parents laugh that I struggled to say mobile home. I'm going to say it as many times as I can because I didn't used to be able to do that. I have been changed. <laughs> but you see, there was a gap between what I was trying to say and what people were actually understanding. And what it caused was a lot of problems. Because this is what I was trying to communicate, but this is what people heard. And somewhere in the middle is where I was left. And you know what I found, if we're really honest, in a lot of our lives, that there are a lot of gaps in who we are. If we're really honest, there's a gap between maybe what I said and what I should have said, right? Maybe there's a gap of what I've done and what I should have done. How about this? Can we get really personal? Maybe there's a gap between the person I am 
and the person that I should be. Because if we want to be real this morning, I think all of us could say that there's a gap somewhere in our lives and we try really, really hard. I'm telling you, man, I was screaming at my mom and dad until they could understand what Omaha meant. I did everything in my power to get from here to there, but no matter how hard I tried, they just didn't understand. But what I've also found in my life is there are some gaps that I am doing everything in my power to get to where I should be, to become the man that I should be, to become the leader I should be, to become the husband I should be. Because the truth is, here's where I am, but here is where I should be. And for some odd reason, I can't seem to get past there. Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever been really honest with yourself and looked at your life and said, you know what, I should be a better spouse. That's the spouse I should be, but for some reason I can't get past this. Maybe you look and you say, that's the parent I should be, but for some reason I just can't seem to get past where I'm at. That's the, that's the business person, that's the worker, that's the leader, whatever it is for you, that's, that's who I should be, but for some reason I'm just stuck here. And if you're like me, eventually you'll look back at your life and you'll see day after week, after month, after year. And you never became the person you should be. In actuality, you never moved away from where you were. And what I found is every time I try to move, it seems like something just pulls me back in. Something constantly just keeps me here. I get a little bit further. I do a little bit better. And then something just rips me right back to where I was. And I'm here to tell you that if you've experienced that, because you have, here's what it is. It's called sin. There's this thing called sin. Whether you believe in what we believe in the Bible, whether you even think that what I'm talking about is true, just give me a chance to explain Give me the next few minutes to talk about this because sin is innate within all of us. And here's what sin is. Sin is just missing the mark. Sin is saying this is the standard that God has for your life, but sin is what keeps you from hitting that standard and constantly pulls you back in. Sin is what tells you it's okay to go to that website late at night while your wife is asleep. Sin is what tells you it's okay to get angry at your kids just because they made a mess. Sin is what tells you it's okay to lie to get to this point. Sin is what tells you that it's okay to gossip about the people that you love. Sin is what constantly, every time you move forward, tells you it's okay and it constantly pulls you right back. And the truth is, all of us, me included, are slaves to sin. We are. I don't mean the physical slavery. Physical slavery is a very real thing. It was a despicable thing that generation after generation is suffering because of the things that were done. But in your spiritual life, you are a slave to sin. Emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, it will constantly pull you back in. The definition of slavery outside of a physical slavery is this. A person who is highly influenced or controlled by something For us, the truth is, we are highly influenced and controlled by sin. It literally enslaves us to stay where we are rather than to move to where we should go. And and, and I don't know about you, but a lot of people just accept it. A lot of people say, well, this is just the best I'm going to be. This is just all you're ever going to get. I am never going to be the husband I should be. I'm never going to be the father I should be. I'm never going to be the leader I should be. So I'm okay living right here. But what if there was a better way? What if there actually was a way to break free from the bondage that is gripping me and enslaving me to where I am to provide me freedom to get where I should be? 
The thing I love about the Bible is it is very clear that there is a better way. If you don't get anything else from this message, I hope you walk away saying there's a better way. There is. Scripture tells us repeatedly that there is a way that is better than the life that you are living, and there's a way that is better that will get you to become the type of person that you should be. But what does that look like? So we read through Galatians chapter 4. And I love what it talks about at the end of verse seven there. At the end of Galatians, it says that we are no longer slaves, but heirs of God. Like that is massive. Like that is a huge, bold statement to say, hey, you're no longer a slave. You are now an heir, not just to a king, but the king of kings. You're no longer a slave, but you're an heir, not just to a Lord, but the Lord of Lords. Like this is a massive statement. And I think a lot of times because we've grown up in a, in a over-Christianized country, I guess you could say, that we read things like that and we just let it glaze right past us. But the truth is that it didn't just happen. The truth is that you weren't just set free from the bondage of sin because Jesus said you should be free. What had to happen was this thing that scripture talks about in the first verse of Galatians 4, verse 4. It says that Jesus came, or it says the Son of God came so that there would be redemption. Because the truth is, in order to be free from sin, you must first be redeemed. In order to be free from sin, you must first be redeemed. Now, in, in the Greek, there's two different definitions of redeemed. Right, there's two. The first one is to, be, to, to, to set a prisoner of war free. If there was someone who was captured in war and they were a prisoner, they were a POW, to set them free, you had to redeem them. The second definition of redeem is this. To set free someone who is enslaved. To release someone who is a slave. Most likely by the fact that that Paul, right into the church of Galatia here, says that right after he talks about being redeemed, he talks about no longer being a slave. That is what he is referring to. That he's in fact not referring to a prisoner of war who has been released, but he's talking about a redemption of a slave who was in bondage, who has been released, that, that the price has been paid on their behalf for them to be released from being a slave. But I think in order to really understand what Paul's trying to say here, I think we have to understand the context of who he's talking to. Because when I say slave, everybody in this room has a different idea than what it looked like 2,000 years ago. Because 2,000 years ago, slavery was a very real thing. 2,000 years ago, slavery was intense. In the Roman culture, it was diabolical. In the Roman culture, it was horrendous. And what Paul's doing is he's painting a picture saying, in this day and age, Church of Galatia, you understand this. And John's bringing out some things because I'm going to show you what some of this look like to be a slave. But what he's saying is, listen, this, 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 is, this, is what, this is the truth of what slavery is. But in your spiritual world, if you're not careful, you're going to live in the exact same way that we're living today. But there's a better way. But there's a better way. So, so right now, some of you are beginning to, to, to bring skepticism in about how I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm only 28, right? I have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you right now are saying, I've heard this a thousand times. It doesn't mean anything. G give me just a second. G let me walk through a few steps of what it took to become a slave so that you can tell me whether this is maybe a good litmus test to see if sin is in fact a big part of your life. So here's the first way you became a slave. Three ways that you could become a slave in the Roman culture. The first one was this. You were born into it. 
The first way you became a slave was you were just born into it. You were the son or a daughter of a slave. And it was no fault of your own. You hadn't done anything. You literally just came into the earth. And because your family were slaves, you were now a slave destined to live a life of a slave. It was just the factor of reality. You were born on the wrong side of the tracks. And because you were simply born into this family, you're just going to be a slave. But every person in this room, we were born into sin. It is innate within you. It is something deep within you that even if you can't see it, I'm gonna tell you it's true. And if you don't believe it, just have kids. Seriously. Kids are amazing. They are beautiful. They are sweet. But man, they can be mean. I have two of them. If you don't know, I have two amazing twins. They are beautiful. My wife always puts them in the cutest little dresses. She does their hair all super fancy. She has fancy little shoes for them that cost me lots of money. Like she does all kinds of things to make these girls look beautiful. And they are, and they're sweet. But you don't see the things I see. You don't see how they just woke up one day and started being really, really mean. They are 20 months old. And I've literally watched one baby go to the other baby and push her down and laugh. I'm like, who taught you to do that? What is your mom doing while I'm at work? I've literally seen one baby, by the way, we buy two of everything because everything has to be fair. I've seen one baby run up to another baby, grab a toy, run off. The other baby chases them down. Literally, I'm a little proud of this part, tackle them. I'm like, whoa, that's my girl. But then they bite him. I'm like, why are you biting? That's not part of the game. Like, what is Road taught you how to bite? Nobody taught him how to bite. True story. Three days ago, uh, our daughter Kinsley. Kinsley's very sweet. She's a beautiful little girl. She had a snack, and we're trying to teach them to be good people. Like, we have this idea in our mind that if we teach them all the right things, they'll do all the right things. So we're teaching her to share all right, so I'm like, hey, Kinsley, will you share your snack with Braylee? And you know what? She walked right over to her and held it out like this. And I'm like, I'm a good dad. Like, like we should get this on camera. Like, I want people to see. I got what it takes. So she literally walks over to Braylee, her sister, and she holds out this snack. And Braylee starts to smile because she loves snacks, right? It's goldfish. Who doesn't love goldfish? So she reaches out her hand to grab it. And as soon as she reaches out to grab it, no, this is, this is the absolute truth. Kinsley grabs it, pulls back, and says, no way. And stuck it in her mouth. And I'm like, you were so close. Like, what is wrong with you? Why would you do this to me and to your sister? Like, what is wrong with you? To which Braley cried, and I had to go get him more goldfish. But it's just innate within us. We're just born into sin. It's just a truth. It's just a reality. Nobody has to teach us how to do evil. Nobody has to teach us how to lie. Nobody teaches us how to be mean to our sister or mean to our brother or mean to our fellow man. It's just innate within us. We were all born into sin. The second way you became a slave was this. Someone put you into it. Well, what happened is they would have these great big battles and all these wars and what they would do is whoever the winning side was would usually, if they didn't kill everybody, the people that were left alive, they would take captive, right? And they, they would use for their own personal gain or they would sell them to the highest bidder just to make a profit off of them. So it wasn't that they were born into sin. It was that somebody came and took them captive and put them into sin. And, and, and maybe, you don't, maybe you haven't been able to see the sin in your own life. But the thing that's really easy for us and especially Christians is to see the sin in somebody else's life right? Like, like maybe, maybe it's not me, but it's what somebody has done to me. The, the, the fact is that all of us have been affected by sin. Maybe it was an abusive parent, right? You, you didn't do anything wrong, but your parent was just not the way they should be. 
Or, 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 or maybe you ran a great marriage and you were doing everything right, but for some odd reason they still walked out on you. They still committed adultery on you. That's, that's the effect of sin. Or, 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 or maybe you thought you were great friends and you were doing all the right things and saying all the nice things and you were there for them every time they needed you. But then all of a sudden this gossip began to go around and they betrayed you. And you're left with this pain. And every, where does this pain even come from? Like, why is it that it affects us so much when somebody does this wrong? Why is it that it bothers me so much when somebody close to me hurts me or lies to me or betrays me or walks out of me? Why is it that it's so painful for me? Because that is the effect of sin. And see, I love the scripture that talks about heaven. And even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard this. It says, hey, in heaven, there's gonna be no more tears and there's gonna be no more pain. You don't know why there's going to be no more tears and no more pain? Because sin's not going to be there to cause it. So maybe if you don't believe that you were born into sin, perhaps you could look and see the effect of sin from other people on your life. Here's the third way that you could become a slave, is you put yourself into it. You put yourself into it. Now, people didn't volunteer to be a slave. What would happen is maybe they would incur a debt that they couldn't pay back and the time was up and the only way to pay back that debt was to, was to allow themselves to go into slavery. Maybe they would commit a crime and maybe rather than that crime, them having to lose their life, they would have to pay back the debt and they couldn't pay back the debt so they would be forced into slavery. So maybe if you don't see the first one, that it was just natural born within you, maybe if you don't see the second one of how people, the effect of sin of other people have on you, why don't you look at this one and say, have I done wrong? Have, have, have I sinned? It, it wasn't that somebody made me do it. It wasn't that something happened over here. I just committed the crime. It wasn't that somebody made me do it or somebody convinced me I lied. It, it wasn't that I have a bad spouse or bad kids. I'm just an absent parent. It, 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 wasn't, it, it wasn't that anybody taught me to or anybody showed me to. I just got stuck into lust one day and I choose on a daily basis to get into it. Like maybe it's, not, maybe it's not what somebody else did. Maybe it's the fact that just when I get stressed, I have to turn to some drug or I have to turn to some form of alcoholism like, because it's just whatever makes me feel better. Maybe it has nothing to do with everybody else, but you'd be honest and look at your own life and say, I have sinned. I have done wrong. The reason I'm not the person that I should be or I wanna be or that the people around me deserve to be is because I have sinned. If you're like me, the reality is we're all slave to sin. But there's a better way. There's a better way. So here's what would happen. Here's what would happen is whenever you began to become, whenever you were put into slavery, what you would do is you would go to these things called uh, slave markets. Literally, a slave market. We have fish markets, right? We have beef markets. Is that a thing? I don't know. Like we have like lots of different markets that you go and you buy a product. What they would do is they would take someone who used to be considered a citizen, who used to be considered a human. Now they're a slave. So therefore they're a product and they would take them to an auction. And here at this auction, it was crazy what they would do. They would literally go and they would put them on an auction block. And as they put you on the auction block, they would make you strip your clothes completely down. So you're sitting on this auction block, completely stripped naked, and what people would do is you'd be surrounded by a cage, and you would be in this cage, and people would come up, and they would test drive the product. They could do whatever they wanted because you're not a human, you're a slave. So you're standing on the auction block, surrounded by a cage, not, you don't have the freedom to even defend yourself, and they would do some of the craziest things. They could hit you, they wanted to hit you, see how you're going to respond, 
because I'm not going to take it out of my family. I'm going to take it out of my slave. So I'm going to hit you and see what happens. They could literally get up. They could spit in your face. They could call you names. They could rip out your beard. They could do whatever they wanted because you were a slave and you were stuck to stand on this auction block behind the cage and just be a product. And the crazier thing about this to me as I researched this is they would, they would put these things, these signs around your neck. And what it's called, I think they're gonna put on the screen is a titleus, T-I-T-U-L-U-S. They would put a titleus around your neck. And here's what the titleus was. The titleus is what the thing that gave, you, that gave slaves detail in their worth. So I'm a slave, I'm on the auction block, I'm behind a cage and the person who owns me gets to tell everybody my worth. So the person who owns me gets to tell everybody what's good or what's bad about me. So they could write weak, they could write strong, they could write foreign, they could write local, they could write whatever they wanted because the person who owned them had the right to give their worth. So I wonder, I wonder if you thought in your own life of, the, of the, this, this possible reality that we're all enslaved to sin. I, I, I wonder if you thought in your own life, if there was a titleist around your neck, I, I wonder what sin would use to describe you. I, I wonder the words that would be written on here. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's the sin of, of an absent father or an absent mother. They never really loved you the way that you felt that you're supposed to be loved. They never really treated you like a child that they loved and they cared for. And so, so you probably can't read this because I'm gonna write several, but, but, but maybe if you were to be honest, your, your, your title says that you're insignificant, right? Maybe if we were completely honest, if we were on here on the auction block behind the cage, the sin is telling us that we're insignificant. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe what it is is it's telling you that, um, that you're a drug addict. Maybe it's telling you that you're a bad parent. Maybe it's telling you that you're a bad spouse. Maybe it's telling you that you're a liar. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's telling you that you're just a bad person. Maybe it's telling you that you're worthless. You see, if we were really honest this morning, sin has given you a lot of names. And the fact is that as long as we're slave to it, it's what we carry around everywhere we go. So the truth is, whatever's written on your titleus isn't just the way others see you. It's the way that you see you. The truth is, it's not just what people read, it's what you read. The truth is, as we allow, as we continue to allow sin to be a part of our life, as we continue to allow ourselves to be slave to it, we're walking around with these signs, with these titles, telling us all the things that we are, that we're worthless, that we're bad, we're drug addicts, we're a bad parent, we're liars, that we're insignificant. Whatever it is for you, we're walking around with these signs. And we used to say it's what other people viewed us as, but the longer that you stay enslaved to it, the longer that you wear this around, the longer that you allow other people to view you this way, eventually you view yourself this way. Maybe you don't say it out loud. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're not over here whining and crying. You're, you're not doing that. But the truth is when you get really honest with yourself late at night and you look in the mirror and you really think about maybe the father you are, the mother you are, the husband or the spouse that you are, the teacher you are, the worker you are, the leader you are, these are the things that you choose to allow yourself to be described by and give you your worth. 
And so what they would do is they would come and they would stand on the auction block with this Titleist around their neck, detailing their worth. And when someone would come and buy them, someone would literally come, they would test drive it, they would do whatever they wanted to. And they said, all right, I want to buy him. I want to buy her. They would go and they would pay the agreed to price. And then after they paid that price, what they would do is they would either stamp on their receipt or they would say the word out loud, usually a mixture of both. And here's the word they would say, tetelestai, tetelestai, it is finished. But in that, in that culture, in that world, when they said it is finished, it was a fan, financial transaction. What they said in that culture, tetelestai, what it meant was, hey, your debt has been paid. It has been overcome. Like you, you're no longer here. Somebody has bought you and now you're there. Tetelestai, it is finished. Your debt has been paid. It has been overcome. You are now over here and you are a slave to them. And this was a word that was widely used. It was widely known. Everybody knew this word. Everybody understood that when you heard that, it was referring to a transaction being made. And nine times out of 10, it was about buying a slave out of the slave market. But what I love is whenever Jesus was hanging on a cross, after he's gone through all the things that we've gone through, after he stood there and allowed them to rip out his beard, after he stood there and got spit on, he had names called to him, he was beaten. He was literally dragging a cross, bleeding out. He's carrying this all the way up to the top of this hill and he gets on this cross and they nail him there with three nails. They put him to this cross and they stand him up naked so everybody can see him just like we were naked as a slave at the auction. And everybody jeered at him and everybody laughed at him and everybody said, if you're really God, then get yourself off the cross. If you're really who you said you are, then you could get yourself here. You can save yourself. And he didn't. And he kept going, and he kept going. And then at the end of what we read in John chapter 19, verse 30, he gets to the end of this, and he uses this phrase that we translate in English called, it is finished. But the phrase he used was teta lestai. The phrase he used was, listen, there is a financial transaction that is being placed right now. That there is a debt that has not been able to be paid for thousands of years. But in this moment, the debt is now paid. In this moment, I am buying them back. And here's the, here's the, here's the craziest thing about all this to me. Is that it was a debt that we could not pay. We couldn't. Maybe you're like me and man, you've tried to overcome sin. Man, I've gone to a lot of conferences that I thought would help me out. I've read a lot of self-help books. I've read a lot of how to be a good dad, how to be a good husband, how to be a good pastor, how to be a good leader. Man, I like to read these books. Man, I've done a lot of good things that I thought, man, if I just go serve at New Life Mission, if I just go give a little bit of money to the poor, if I just go do this over here, like maybe, maybe I can pay this back. And if you read the Old Testament for thousands of years, what they were doing is they realized that there was a debt that couldn't be paid, so they were making the minimum payment. They would come and they would bring an animal and they would sacrifice it just for the minimum payment. It come bring a grain offering just for the minimum payment. And for those of you who've been in debt before, you know making the minimum payment actually only increases your debt because there's interest. And what was once a price that was too high to pay as you pay the minimum payment begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger to where it's insurmountable to pay. And so what, what, what happened is, is, is God, he looked out and he said, hey, I want to pay the price for those slaves. I want to pay the price for them right there. What's the price? And this, the world said, it's too high. They've been trying their whole life. They've been trying for thousands of years to pay this. They cannot pay the price for what has happened. And so what's the price? 
and said, the life of your son. The scripture says, we all love it, John three sixteen, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that if we just believed in him, we wouldn't die. We wouldn't perish in sin and in slavery. So what happens is the son of God comes down and he becomes a man like you and I are men, like we're humans. Scripture says that he suffered as we suffered. It says that he hungered. He literally was hungry for food the same way you and I are hungry for food. It says that he cried. He was moved to emotion. He wept. He literally felt the same things that you and I felt because he knew he had to become a full, innocent atonement for our sins. He had to become an innocent lamb, an innocent person who had no sin in their life. And he had to come and he had to suffer the same way a slave suffers. He had to be bound. He had to be put up on a cross like it was an auction block. He had to be laughed at. He had to be jeered at. He had to be beaten. He had to suffer. He had to go through those things because at the end, when it was all said and done, when he gave his last breath, when there was literally no more blood to be shed, what would happen is he would be able to say, teta lestai, the price has been paid and we are no longer slaves because there was a price that he was willing to pay for you and for me. The work of Christ wasn't finished. We look at this and we say, man, great, he did it, it's over. Woo, it wasn't finished. What was finished was the debt of our sin. Because what we celebrate is that three days later, Jesus got out of the grave. It wasn't enough that he just died, that he just paid our debt, that he redeemed us out of slavery. He took it another step and said, not only are you redeemed, but now you can live in the new life that I walk out of. As I get out of the grave, you get out of the grave. As I sacrifice my life for you, you gain new life. Scripture says you're a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come because of what he did right there. And if you're here this morning, I don't want to leave this place without giving you an opportunity to receive the free redemption that there is for you. You say, well, what do I have to do to be redeemed? It says, all you have to do is believe. All it says is, you know what? You've been standing up here for too long. You've been standing up here as a slave. You've been standing up here with your title. It's letting other people view you the way that sin views you. But the truth is, that is not who you are anymore. You have been redeemed. All that is required of you is to get out of here and say, you know what? The only person who gets to say what my worth is is the person who purchased me. And so if Jesus Christ purchased me, it doesn't matter what sin says about me. It doesn't matter what you say about me. It doesn't matter what they say about me. The only thing that matters is the one who bought me said that I am a son, that I am a daughter, that I am an heir, that I am courageous, that I am a powerful, more than a conqueror type of person. And it has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with me, and everything to do with tetelestai. It being finished for you and for me. So this morning, here in just a minute, if you don't know God, I want to give you an opportunity to know him. You say, you know what, I've, I've, I've never... I'm tired of being a slave. I'm tired of being held back. I'm tired of not getting where I should be. And just because you get out, just because you step off the auction block doesn't mean you get there immediately. It just means that you're no longer slave to where you are. And if you say, I'm tired of being a slave, this morning, very simply here in a few minutes, I'm gonna ask you to step outside and someone wants to pray with you. Someone wants you to know that we've all gone through this. Somebody wants you to know that we have all are slave to this, but by the power and the freedom of Jesus Christ, you don't have to live this way anymore. And as I was studying this, it, it, 
I've never, I've never heard this before. I don't know why I've never heard this. I'm just not smart enough, I guess. But I've never heard this before. It was really interesting that whenever somebody became free from slavery, it wasn't over. Like, like I thought, like somebody paid the debt, I'm free, I can just run loose and be whoever I want to be. But in the Roman culture, whenever somebody was freed from slavery, there was two ways you could be freed. One was that your master died and they wrote in their will or in their book that you were supposed to be free. That didn't happen a lot. And if it did, it was many, many years. The most widely used form of freeing a slave from, um, from bondage into freedom was this. It's called monumission vindicta. Monumission vindicta. This was a public ceremony to declare a slave set free. See, what would happen is they would be set free by their master, but nobody knew it. They didn't have social media. They didn't have Instagram. I'm free. Check it out. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have email saying, hey, guys, I'm free. So what would happen is they would say, I'm free, but nobody believed them. Or even if somebody believed them, they would still look at them as a slave. I remember what you did. I remember the things. You're a slave. I don't care what anybody says. You're a slave. So literally, in Roman culture, a, a, a monumission vindicta, what they would do is they would go to a public square and they would invite the political leaders of the day. They would invite everybody in the community. They would invite everybody and the master would stand there with the, with the slave, the one who was once in bondage. He would stand there with them and they would make a public, a public declaration that they are no longer slaves, but they are free. They're no longer slaves to how you view them. They're no longer slaves to what you said about them. They're no longer slaves to their titles. They are free. And they are free now in this public, public declaration for everybody to know and for everybody to see that they are no longer slaves. They've been set free. And you know, we're going to do baptism here in a little bit. And baptism does not save you. Baptism was not your tetilestai. It wasn't. Here's what baptism is. Baptism is a public declaration that you are no longer a slave. Baptism is really simple. It says, listen, in the Roman culture, they would do a monumission vindicta so that everybody knew that they're free, that they're no longer a slave, that they are no longer in bondage. And so what we do in the spiritual world and what we do here in our church is we host a baptism that says you are no longer a slave. You have been set free by the power of Jesus Christ that when he died and he was buried, he rose up again three days later in new life. And so what we do is we take you in baptism and we lay you in the water as if you're dying to self. You're being buried in the water. But when you come out, you're a new creation you have been saved by the power of Jesus Christ and this is huge so if you're here this morning and you say you know what I've, I've I've never I've never gotten out of the slavery I've never given my life to Christ here in just a minute we want to give you that opportunity but maybe you're here and you say you know what I'm I'm not living that life of slavery anymore but I have never made the public declaration that I'm no longer a slave Maybe you're here this morning, you just need to make a public declaration. Maybe you're here this morning and you are tired of everybody looking at you the way you used to be viewed. You are tired of everybody describing you by the titleist that you used to wear. You are tired of everybody looking at you by the things that you used to do. And you wanna make a public declaration that I am not that person anymore. I have been saved, I have been set free. I am not a slave, I am an heir. And I want to publicly declare that, that today I'm free. We want you to get baptized today. 
Well, I, I, I didn't come prepared. I, did, I didn't wear the appropriate clothes. I, I didn't know what to do. My hair's gonna get messed up. Listen, if you, wanna, if you wanna make the public declaration, here's what we're gonna do. We've got people out there who've got clothes for you. We brought towels, we brought a change of clothes. We've got people who wanna pray with you, who wanna walk you through this. We did everything because the fact of our culture is we put everything off. I'll do it tomorrow. Ask my wife, that's my favorite phrase. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll fix it tomorrow. I'll clean it tomorrow. I'll build it tomorrow. If today's your day, don't wait till tomorrow. Receive the freedom that is in Christ and make a public declaration that you are free from the bondage of sin. Here's the third thing we're gonna, we're gonna challenge you to do. Maybe you're neither of those, but you just need some prayer. Maybe you are, you, you are struggling right now. You got something going on in your family. Maybe there's sickness, there's illness. Maybe, maybe you have a wayward child. Maybe, maybe your marriage isn't, isn't where it should be. Maybe you're just struggling in some form of your life. We believe in the power of prayer because we believe that when we invite the God who said it is finished, it was finished for all time, that when we invite him into the situation, there's power because of him. So here in a minute, we're gonna ask you to get up and people wanna pray with you. They want to literally invite God into your situation. And the last thing we're gonna do, if you're neither of those three here in just a minute, I'm gonna ask you to stand and I'm gonna ask you to worship. I'm not gonna ask you to worship a, a guy. I'm not gonna ask you to worship this church. I'm not gonna ask you to worship some team. I'm, I'm gonna challenge you to worship God. I'm gonna challenge you to worship the guy who was willing to give his life for our redemption, that you are free, that you are no longer a slave, that you have publicly declared that you are free in Jesus Christ. And we're gonna challenge you to stand up and we're gonna challenge you to worship like you've never worshiped before. We're gonna challenge you to get out of your comfort zone. Like, I, I, I don't know, this is how I worship. I'm good right here. This is, this is me. I'm, I'm gonna challenge you to take it a step up. I'm gonna challenge you to put your hands down. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've mastered this part. We're good. This, this is, I can worship right here. I can, I'm, I'm gonna challenge you to take a step up. Hey God, I just wanna surrender to you because you've been so good to me. God, I, I just want to take a moment with nobody looking around, with, with the lights being dark and the team just leaving. I, I, I just want to surrender to you that you are a great God and I need you every day of my life. We're gonna challenge you. All right, so here in just a second, I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, you have one of four options. You don't have a fifth, you have one of four. Either one, if you need to receive salvation, today is your day. You can go to the back and people wanna pray with you. They wanna walk you through that. If today you wanna be baptized, maybe you've already been planning to be baptized today or you haven't planned, but today you want to be baptized. And at the count of three, you're gonna get up and you're gonna go back there and you're gonna get ready. People are gonna walk you through that. They're gonna talk you through that. Maybe you're the third when you say, I just need prayer. Well, Joseph, this is different. This is different. This is a day like we've never done before. People wanna pray with you. They wanna love on you. They want you to know that we care for you and that God cares for you. Or you're the fourth one. I'm gonna challenge you to stand and take it a step up from the way that you usually worship and worship the God who redeemed you from your sin, from the bondage of slavery. Can we do that this morning? Can we do that? Can we do that? Come on, we are alive, we are free, we're no longer slaves, we have an opportunity this morning. So here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna count to three. And when I count to three, the band's gonna get ready. As soon as I get three, they're gonna take off. So they're gonna lead us into worship. And if that's you, if you need to go out for prayer, if you need to go out for baptism, if you need to go out for salvation, do that. And the rest of us, we're gonna worship like free men, like free women, like people who've been set free by the power of Christ. So if that's you, one, today is your day. 
Don't let it pass you by. Don't watch me. Don't hear me. Get involved in what's going on here. Two, if that's you, today is your opportunity. This was predestined. God didn't put you here by accident. He didn't put you here just to listen to me or to watch a baptism. He puts you here because he wanted to call you out of slavery. Three, if that's you, stand up right now. We're standing up to worship. We're standing up to walk out the doors. We're standing up for prayer. If that's you, one of those four. Salvation, baptism, prayer, out the door, worship right in here in this room in Jesus' name.